1: Everyone and welcome to today's episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill with me. I have my dear friend and colleague,
0: Sydney. Hi, Sydney. Hey, Jill. Thanks for having me.
1: (laughs) Um, We're doing something a little different today because why not? Right.
0: It's a Monday. Let's roll with it.
1: Yeah. You're hearing this on Thursday, but it is Monday. It's Monday morning. So I take no responsibility for what I say. Um <laughs> disclaimer. <laughs> disclaimer. Disclaimer. But um we're going to talk writing because we're both writers. And I feel like we talk about sort of the end product a lot on this podcast with mm-hmm. books and the final book that everyone is reading. Um, but we thought it would be fun to talk more about the process of getting there
0: um, from all sorts of aspects. Um, there's no plan for today. <laughs> so I think that gives it's gonna give some folks some insight, at least into one of the ways <laughs> one of us is a writer who doesn't plan anything and one of us has a little bit more planning behind it. Let's see if you can guess who is who. I'm just kidding. We're going to we're going to uh spoiler you on that, but I feel like that's a good intro. Yeah, Jill and I were just talking about how you know, should we plan an intro? Should we talk about what we're going to do? Should we have a point-by-point agenda? And then j- we just said, no, let's just <laughs> let it be organic. This is what's going to happen. This is going to be like the the verbal uh, edition of um, automatic writing.
1: <laughs> yeah. We're just pantsing it today. No pants pantsing!
0: It. Great. Yeah. Does everybody in the audience know what that means? Who Same knows? We should probably chat about that. I think yeah. that's a, a good point at some point. <laughs> that
1: is. Well, we can start there. Yeah. We can start there um okay so within the writing sphere there are different types of writers in terms of how they approach starting a project whether or not they have an outline so plotters are tend to be those who have outlines um the fullness of said outline can differ from Mm -hmm. writer to writer in terms of how descriptive and deep they get into plot points pantsers Um, this idea of like flying by the seat of your pants and just kind of making it up as you write. And then they're sort of like. Plancers. Plancers. Yeah. (laughs) For a minute, my brain was not working to remember how, how they're sort of combined who, um, do a little bit of both. Um, I would probably put myself more in the plancers side of things. I can probably tell you high level points of a book, um, and then how I get there, I sort of make
0: up as I go along. What about you, Sydney? So when I, I have been writing my entire life, just just my whole life. This has always been the way I escape. It's always been the way I process. And it's always been the way that I have a good time. So other people were probably out like having a good time and partying. And I was home writing about, you know, bands and same, Sydney, same all kinds of good stuff. So I would say when I first got into writing and realized that this was something that I wanted to do as a hobby back in the day, I was definitely a pantser. I would have an idea. I would have some nugget of story or character or a scene or an idea, and I would just build everything else around it and let it go. I had no sense of audience apart from my friends who might read my writing or just myself wanting to go back and reread the story that no one else had written, that I'd written for myself. And everything was based on that little nugget of information that I'd kind of given myself. As I developed my writing style and went to school and realized that I was probably never going to be able to wholly give up the pantsing, uh, I did find the need for better structure. Not necessarily more structure, but better structure. So I I too am a planter. If I go from a full outline, which I have tried before, it sucks the joy out of it. Have you ever done that thing where, you know, you want to talk about a project and people are like, oh, you're going to be much more accountable if you tell everybody that that's what you're doing. Like folks who are like, I'm going to drink more water every day, or I'm going to you know, start this routine. Uh, I'm exactly the opposite. If I tell someone that I'm going to do something, that is an immediate point at which I drop everything that I had planned. And same goes for writing. It's like, if I tell someone, even if that someone is myself, what I'm about to write, it's almost like I've already written it. The discovery and the adventure of discovery is gone for me and I don't want to write it anymore. I don't want to do it. So I have to give myself enough structure so that I know where I'm going and I don't get lost in that murky middle which I'm sure we'll talk about but not so much that I that I suck all the joy out of discovery
1: no I think I'm the same way where I don't like talking too much about projects Mm -hmm. um because once people know about it it just it all disappears yeah it's all it's all it's all gone it's It's like I've
0: already written it can't you can't you read it in my brain parts right (laughs) right
1: yeah. um yeah it's interesting I, I sort of have also been writing since I was very young um I came across some of my original like 11 year old writing oh my just god to- I bet it's like last weekend content. It's terrible comma usage um but I in middle school um and part of high school kind of cut my teeth on uh, X-Files fan fiction specifically fan fiction that I would write with friends where we would sort of pass it around mm-hmm. and we didn't know what the other people had written. oh man and I love so around you, Robin Fick. yes so I sort of had to be able to pivot quickly depending on mm-hmm. what
0: the previous, your prompt
1: yeah right. well my prompt was left by the person or two people in front of me who had it um, before or I did. Um, I did a lot of writing that way. We did there was a group of us I like 10 of us, I think, who did mm-hmm. a big original fiction that way. Um, and so I think that's sort of where that comes from of just being like, I'm just gonna make it up. I also tend to write, um, I, I haven't in a while. No, I guess I still do it even on my computer. Like when I would write as a kid, I would write on paper. Mm-hmm. And I would write totally out of order. I would just write whatever scene came to me and I would fill it in later. And I would have like symbols throughout my manuscript on paper so I could fit, like know which part, which would, you know, like star here matches that. And (laughs) I mean, programs on like programs, writing program software makes it a lot easier to be able to drag and drop Mm -hmm. those scenes, but I still tend to write out of order. And so writing That's both good and bad because sometimes I'll write myself into a trap that I have to write myself out of. And even when I have an outline and I know what's coming, I still sometimes Mm -hmm. end up doing that.
0: (laughs) It's like the joy and horror of of letting that organic flow happen. Because then you're like, oh, I didn't realize you, protagonist, were going to do that. I mean, I'm glad you have a mind of your own. But also, now I'm staring at this corner, Blair Witch style, great. Right.
1: You know, I think think about this a lot with writers who do a lot of outlining in advance. And Mm -hmm. I wonder, you know, do we end up all things told on average, spend the same amount of time working on a project? Just they do the work up front Mm -hmm. and then some of us do it at the back as we edit later versus having like knowing beat right. by beat what the story
0: is going to be and how things are going to look. I just sort of wonder about that. That's interesting. I I I want. mean, having no knowledge of that, like I'm trying to remember now when I had to write essays in school, did I, you know, do you remember having to do an outline and a rough draft and all this? Stuff? I do. I, mean, I feel, like, worst. I've a, I I feel hate like I've it. been in the pants for my entire life. Like I just don't have any memory of putting something together where I knew even with a logical story, even if it's nonfiction, like if I knew where I was supposed to be going, I don't remember putting that together. Also, I I do have to interject. We, I think we started a year apart at Overdrive. So we've known each other for six years. Yes. How did I not know that you also used to write for the X-Files fandom? I,
1: we've actually, I've been here for seven years. So we've known each other for seven years. I feel like it probably came up
0: I knew we were both fans I didn't know we both wrote for the fandom I don't
1: remember I don't know if it maybe didn't but also like we maybe have known each other for seven years we've only been friends for like three or four because I don't like people and (laughs) And so I think you must have said something where I was like oh we have things in common and I was like I guess I can talk to her that's probably what happened
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, you'll never get rid of me you're welcome I'm like, you're, I'm your writer, writer barnacle friend.
1: I mean, we, yeah, yeah, lots of X-Files. That's so great. Lots of X-Files fan fiction that I ended up giving to a friend as our high school grad, like one of the friends in the group that was her graduation present. We were it so in good. like middle school, maybe freshman year, and then I held yeah. on to it for three or four years. I don't know if she still has it, I should ask.
0: We have a friend here at Overdrive who is a gigantic X-Files fan and every once in a while, she bugs me to send her the link because it's still out there and I was just like over my actual dead decaying corpse Katie there's like not <laughs> any to like I love her till the ends of the earth to the ends of the earth and there is absolutely no way but I, I do say that anyone who has not I mean fair play to whoever learns writing whatever way they want but anybody who turns their nose up at the school of writing that is online fic, you are missing out on the best opportunity for free critique, for accolades, for just putting your weird stuff out there in the world and finding an audience for people who are going to tell you where you've made mistakes in a gentle and encouraging way. Like I learned some of my best writing skills in fandom. I I'm the writer I am today, I think, because of my my varied fandoms. I've only written for two, but I've read in multiples.
1: Yeah, I wrote X files fanfiction. I wrote Labyrinth fanfiction. I wrote like a sequel Ooh. to Labyrinth. Oh a know. sequel.
0: <gasps> yeah
1: That's it was so a sequel. Cool. It was a sequel. I don't know if that is still out there. It was on like an old Geo Cities mm-hmm. website. Hot angel fire I like Get a it. fan yeah yeah it was like a fan website and I had a sequel on there I don't know if it still exists it, it might still be out there who knows so good knows? um yeah it's interesting I've I've read things about like a lot of writers started with fan fiction mm-hmm. a lot of writers who still traditionally public oh yeah continue to write fan fiction Love today it. um under different names <laughs> um but one thing I have I've read that sometimes people run into if they write a lot of fan fiction and then try to switch to original content, especially I think in certain genres like fantasy or, or sci-fi, their world building suffers because they don't have to do that with fan they don't fiction. Work. Yeah, it's already, for sure. it's already built in to those fan fictions. You know, the people who are reading yep. know what they need to know already. Right. And when you try to do that, on your own, it's, it's difficult. It is that's challenging.
0: Fascinating. You I know. think that's fascinating. I wonder too, how much that plays into whether you more of a plot person. I mean, I, I don't want to necessarily throw writers into these, into categories, but right. I always considered myself a character driven writer. It was really interesting. Like description was interesting to me. I was very prosaic when I was younger. Like I had a really hard time editing beautiful sentences. I was like, Oh, I really want to, you know, build up the content of this scene so you could picture yourself and everything. It was why I was such a bad screenwriter because <laughs> I just wanted to give my director all of the notes. But when it came to plot and I, this plagues me to this day is I will just sit down and try and work out something that maybe isn't that complex. But to me, it feels like a giant mountain. I'm like, well, how do I get from here to there? How, how, do, how do you figure out... How to take these beautiful passages and turn them into something that gets from A to B to Z. Um, I'm getting better, but then it still will trip me up. It's hard for me to cut things that I have written and written well. Because once I've like de- determined that that's a plot point, I'm like, look, I did this work. <laughs> how, how do I undo this work after doing something that was so, so hard? So I guess coming full circle, if I were to, I, I am writing a book where it, the world is built from scratch. It's a little yeah. bit sci-fi. I mean, it's not really, it's it's a little bit fantasy, I guess you've read some of it. Yes. And the world building for me comes very naturally. I think one of the things that I found writing fan works was that the joy for me was taking a familiar character and making them familiar enough to someone reading it that they would be like, "Oh, that sounds, or that yeah. feels, or that looks just like X Y Z character to me." But putting them in a new situation where it was like, "Oh, that's totally them." So they would recognize the character and the the place, but the place, the situation, the event, the whatever was was what was different. So that's that's interesting.
1: Your comment about the screenwriting. Is hilarious to me because I am the exact opposite. I wrote a lot of plays in high Mm -hmm. school and had two plays produced, student productions. And so, me, I am awful at descriptions, at least in initial drafts. My initial drafts are basically like skeletons of just dialogue Mm. (laughs) because I know how to advance. Plot and character through dialogue. And mm-hmm. then I have to like go back and fill it in. And so, like, plays and screenwriting is great for me. <laughs>
0: like,
1: I'm like, it's just dialogue. And then well, I just like fill in little notes about what is happening or where they
0: write. Two things. One, I should mention that how embarrassing for me because my master's is in screen, right? Somebody I mean, gave me a whole last degree in something fine. I wasn't great at. But I will say that I leaned hard the other way to try and make up for the fact that a lot of the feedback when I was writing my thesis was you need to leave room for the film itself to breathe if this is going to get produced and so I'm very aware of going into too much detail and now sometimes I have to be like hey you never even mentioned where they were like it might be great to just say that they're in a house or a field or whatever. So right. I've definitely uh I've definitely overcorrected in some ways, but you know, it's it's all it's all a lesson. Also writing the same book for almost 10 years. I mean I'm I'm writing something else at the moment. Yeah. So there's I, I switched during the pandemic and we can talk about the like the when is it no longer escapism and when is it no longer a hobby. When is it such hard work that it you know out hard works your day job. Yeah. But I the book that I had been writing for a number of years (laughs) when people like but you must have so much written like sure but like think about the way things were like what were my issues what were my what were the things that I was trying to work out in you know 2015 versus now it's a you know it's it's a rewrite it's it's gonna be a rewrite so
1: it's all rewriting. You and I have talked about this. <laughs> writing about is rewriting. Writing yeah. is rewriting. But you and I have talked about this specifically about how sometimes you just have to keep going. Even yep. I I know when I was in, when I was younger, probably I was really bad about editing as I went. Like I had, mm-hmm. I felt like I had to perfect the first few pages or the first few chapters before or I me could too. move on. Yeah. And you get into a cycle. I think you fall into a trap um of being so stuck in that place you can't you can't move forward oh yeah you're mired
0: in it yeah I have gotten so much better that is the one thing I will give myself credit for which is (laughs) unusual usually a writer's like I hate like as my friend would say a classic Mm self-loather um Mm -hmm. classic self-loather there but I have gotten better now I allow myself like if I have had a few days off from the manuscript, I will allow myself to go back in and read what I just wrote or what I most recently wrote to get myself back into where I am. And what in that reading, if I see something that can be tweaked, not rewritten, but if I'm like, oh, you know what? As I'm looking at this, this paragraph is hella long. And I know very quickly, like 10 seconds or less how to fix it. I allow myself the freedom to go back in and be like, I don't know, that's not, that's not, that's not the joke I want to make, or that's yeah. not the scene I want to write. And, but that is it. I cannot rewrite that scene. I can't get deep into it. I can either leave myself a comment and be like, ha ha ha, fix this later. Yeah. Or if I can fix it in like 15 seconds or less. I'm allowed to edit it. Other than that, it's move on.
1: My favorite is when I do that and I add in, I'm like, oh man, this scene needs like this one line and I add it. And then like, a paragraph later.
0: <laughs> no, yeah.
1: That's <Passed> yeah. me. That's <laughs> right. me like, it already hey. added
0: that line in. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay, great. So that was not well, like, at all. <laughs> I'm, I don't know about you. Like I, I know that you are a, as I will, I've seen you in NaNoWriMo mode. Like I have seen you with your bullet journal. I have seen you with your tiny squares. I have seen you with your word count. And so to me, I always think of you as a much more organized writer than I am. One of my biggest pet peeves about myself is, <laughs> I use. Uh, I think we've talked about this before. I use an app called Milan Note yeah, to keep track of things because yeah. So I, I like it because it's something that I can use. We are we are not affiliated with Milan Note. We're not. Um, but I if they want, can, sponsor, I if you want to sponsor. If you want to sponsor me, baby, I am here. I will add myself. I like it because you can add notes on your phone. You could add notes anywhere. Like I have the app multiple places and it's a, it has a really nice sync to it. Uh, but I haven't figured out how best to use this. This is ironic because anyone from the company who knows me and works with me every day will know that this is a problem I carry through my professional career that, um, I have probably already written the scene that I'm facing. I will get into the book and be like, how do I resolve this issue? I don't know what to do. And then I'll like, just wrench myself up that wall like brick by brick by brick and then at some point i'll go back and be like i'm going to take a break and skim some of my notes from a lawn note and i will have written the effing scene already and i'm like why can you not like i just have no organization like, at least I'm writing down the ideas now instead of just letting them fade into the ether. My my very favorite trick is that, hey, I'm about to fall asleep. But I just had a great plot idea and telling myself, you'll remember it in the morning. <laughs> the worst. No, you will not. Spoiler, no. you will not. But uh, yeah, I need to go back to to some of those. Um, I have a question for you, if that sure. is. Sure. Yeah, of course. Okay. So you are a published author. I That's am. not the question, but you started in nonfiction. Correct. Were you more of a plotter with your nonfiction or is it always kind of, has it always kind of followed the same pattern?
1: Well, I will say that like my published work started in nonfiction. I myself started in fiction just to.
0: Okay. Clarify. Great. Great. Yep. Yeah. That so I
1: wrote fiction for a very, very long time. My published work is nonfiction because my published Work is nonfiction, specifically memoir. Yeah, it was pretty much
0: plotted because I'd lived it. And so. Sure. But I mean, when you wrote it, were you like writing out of order still?
1: Yes, because okay. I knew what was happening. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, I still wrote out of order because yeah. I, 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 I just, I knew, you knew what scenes. was going to happen. I knew what right. was going to happen. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen. A lot of it was mood-based, which is not always the best way to do it because eventually you just end up pushing off all of the stuff you don't want to write until the very end. (laughs) I don't recommend that.
0: It's like when you take
1: a test and you're like, I'm going to answer all the questions I know first. Right. And then you're like,
0: now I'm left with four essay questions and all of these. Yeah.
1: Yes. So I did, I did write out of order um, when I did that because Cause I mean, I had outlines, I knew the order of things. Cause again, it's memoir and I had, um, to keep things relatively true. I mean, wow, that sounds like I made stuff up. I don't mean, you know, with memoir, because I'm writing often about other people, there's some condensing of people into sure. like composite character type situations. Um, and maybe condensing of timeline. So I had spreadsheets that had um, the overall arc of the the narrative timeline. And then from there I could kind of I, I wrote out of order. Yes. Um I'm starting a new project that is an old project that I'm basically burning and starting over um <laughs> and I have fun. no idea what I'm gonna do with it like I I really don't know I mean I know the very high level overarching storyline um I know the characters um I know the beats. I I am still in that phase of like trying to figure out how I'm actually gonna start writing
0: so yep. This be- <laughs> a new fiction project or a new yeah. non-fiction okay yeah
1: new fiction project
0: Oh yes, the the joy. I well, <clears throat> so the the book that I had been writing for some time was very dark. Um, I have a lot of well, okay. So when I was writing my master's thesis, I wrote a whole first draft, and my advisor came back and was just like, "Wow, this is like this is dark." Uh, and so when I rewrote it, I was like, "You are not." I mean, I'm a, sure. Am I a, am I a dark gothy witch? Of course. But I'm also like, <laughs> I like to have a laugh. So I really enjoy when authors show whatever kind of humor they're into, whether it's dark and dry, whether it's like slapsticky, like I love a book that can make me laugh. So I always wondered, like, why Why am I not funny? Like, why is something I write funny? Like, I'm a funny human, sort of. Um, and so I really wanted to inject a little more levity into it. And so it ended up being more of a comedy when I wrote the second draft of it. I was much, much happier with it. And I feel like it's almost like I have to get out all the goth before I can start writing The Levity. But what happened with this is even though the book itself has a lot of lightness to it, ultimately you know, a lot of bad things happen to my protagonist. I have a lot of roots in horror. Thank you to my father for introducing me to Stephen King when I was way too young to be reading him. I went yeah. forever grateful. That is not sarcasm. So many of um, us. God bless America. I freaking love horror. Like I love it. I absolutely love it. And I can't get away from it. So I think that's what the opposing forces on my humor. It's just like, <laughs> well, what if everybody died horribly? Um, And what happened, of course, is that, I don't know if you know this, but like we went through and are still going through a whole big pandemic situation. I don't know if you're, I know, I know, I don't know where, it's so weird, but um, I didn't want to write. Sad things because I was already feeling the weight of the world and feeling the weight of everything that was happening from all of the horrible racial injustices that were happening to people getting sick and dying to being ignored by um governmental powers, etc. So I decided to start writing a romance, which is also where my roots are. Thank you, fan fiction and other things mm-hmm. I wrote in high school and beyond. And so now that I'm here, the beats are so different and the stakes are so different. And even though I'm not going to say that all romance is formulaic, but I mean, I am invested in the happily ever after. I am invested in a traditional romance ending. So there are plot points and beats that you kind of need to hit. And I'm sort of enjoying, even though it's hard for me as, as someone who is terrified of plot. Um, I just want to smash their heads together and just be like, just kiss, yeah. just, just kiss. Cause that's what I want to read. I want to, I want to, I want to read about you texting. I want to read about you like going on fun dates and I want to read about you making out a lot. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to throw like horrible things in your way, but I have to, because that's part of it. Not horrible, but I mean, difficulties, I need you to have yes, some conflict. You, and yeah. so conflict to me is like a mystery you know you have to put in things that are enough that are staky <laughs> enough that they aren't dumb that they're overcomable but that it's going to make your audience go oh man like how are they going to get themselves out of the sticky situation even if right. you know and uh so i'm in, i'm enjoying it but it's it sure doesn't make it any easier no it doesn't there are times when I think longingly of all of the uh monsters and demons and horrible things in my other book and I'm like oh remember when there was just like a scary thing happening and then you could just be like oh my god that was scary yeah yeah Yeah. what are we talking about this I just love that we're just like writing that's pretty much it that's what I'm out here is writing Writing. Well, you, I would like to point out to our audience at large are an agented author, which is pretty exciting. Thank you. Do you have things to talk about with that process? I mean, I don't know how much of it is secret or under wraps or whatever, but like anything you could talk about with your process. I've heard the story, but I think it's a great one. So I'd love to hear it
1: again. Okay. Yeah. So I, I do, um, my nonfiction was published without an agent. Um, I don't necessarily recommend that, but it's the way I went. Um, <laughs> and then when I switched back to fiction, cause again, I'd, I'd written fiction, I'd written like a, a novel in high school, I'd written a novel in college, um, took a very long break, did the nonfiction thing. And then when I decided and had an idea for a novel, Um, I knew at the end, I wanted to get an agent. Um, so the book that I ended up sending out, it took me, I want to say like three or four years. And that includes maybe three drafts, three or four Mm -hmm. drafts. I feel like I wrote a draft a year, maybe roughly. I don't know. Um, and it had, beta readers yourself included who read it who read it and offered feedback from a writer and reader perspective I think you were the only writer I asked Mm. I think everybody else was just people I knew who read it was it was a contemporary romance and so it was people I knew who read that genre um so sort of the the people who I would expect to want to buy the book and so I wanted to get their feedback because I knew they would be the ones who would tell me um if it was working or not because they, they had enough knowledge to enough experience reading the genre to be able to identify problems um and yeah so i i started querying in january of twenty twenty um that includes writing
0: uh, simpler times i know simpler times
1: <laughs> um i st- started querying in January, 2020. And so a query letter is what you send to agents to hopefully get them to want to read your book. Um, and it involves, um, sort of a hook of sorts to entice them. You don't, unless specifically asked by the agent, you do not spoil the entire book in a query letter. You give, um, enough, to kind of get to the inciting incident that drives a plot and makes them be like, oh, I have to find oh, out what happens. Right. <clears throat> and um, uh, I went through several drops of my query letter because yeah. sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um so I started querying in January of 2020. I signed with my agent in October of 2020. I think I queried about 50 agents roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, I had I had, I kept notes somewhere. I can't remember how many asked. So like how the process works is you send the query letter out, the agent will either ignore you um, (laughs) (laughs) or just be like, no, or we'll either ask for the full manuscript or like partial pages. And when you send a query, sometimes they ask for like the first five to 10 pages or 50 pages or depends on every agent, every agency is different you send it out. They will, if they want to read more, they will request it. Um, you send them the partial and then or the full sometimes they'll, and then, you know, it's, it's a, it's a lot of waiting publishing. is a lot of, it's a lot of waiting for responses. Um, and so I think my agent had it for a month, um, the full before she asked to jump on a call with me, which is when she offered representation and how it works at that stage is that if you have the full out, um, or you have other agents on your list that you've queried, who you really want to, um, who are still like in your top list, like, you know, cause mm-hmm. the call with an agent, if they're offering representation, it's, it's both about like, is it a good fit? Like you're mm-hmm. both kind of interviewing each other. You're interviewing each- each- yeah, yeah, yeah. You're exactly. interviewing each other. And so, I really liked this agent, but I had other people who had the full out, um, usually asked for about two weeks, 10 to 14 days to get back with the other agents. Um, you sort of let them know that you've had an offer of representation. Do they want the full, do they want to speed up their own process for considering yours? Um, I had a few who just stepped aside and were like, let them have it, which is fine. Mm -hmm. Like some of them are just like, yeah, but I did have multiple, I had another agent who showed interest, had a call with her as well. Um, both gave me other authors of theirs that they represented to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up going with the first agent who offered initially just um, personality wise, I think it was a better fit. Yep. Um, the other agent was super like, and just as enthusiastic, it just sort of, um Yeah, so that's how I I signed. Um, We sent the book out on submission to editors, I think the following February. So I signed October, 2020, did a round of edits with her, sent the book out. Everyone said, no, nobody wanted it, but that's fine. It's fine.
0: I wanted it. I I love that book. The fact is though that like most
1: debut, most most first time, most first books that authors send out do not get purchased yep. by <laughs> editors. Yep. So that's, I mean, that's just that's sort of the reality of it is. Yeah. Of it is. Um, um, yeah, most of the time your debut will technically be like your second or third book that you have submitted to editors because most first books die on, on sub. They do not get sold. Um, and But luckily I have... You know, and that's one of the things when it, when it comes to choosing an agent, which is not an easy process, um, is sort of what is one of the things to consider is like, what happens if my book dies on submission? What if nobody mm-hmm. picks it up? Do you still want to work with me? Do you like, are, are you <clears throat> looking, you know, there are some agents who, unfortunately they just, they buy, they, they offer, on the, book, yeah, they
0: the offer on the book. Yeah. They offer on the
1: book. And that's the book they want. They don't necessarily want to build a career writer, right? My agent luckily is one who very much sticks with her clients. If she believes in their writing and their stories. And so we, um, so the book, the first book died on sub, um, and that happens. And I asked to do another round of revisions because I still believed in these characters. Um, and I did that. I sent it to her. She's like, I still think the stakes. this gives you like the, the, the feedback we got from the editor. is all very positive. It was mm-hmm. just, there's something like lacking, which is just, it's so like,
0: it's Yeah. It's, it's vague. It's, subjective, it's vague. Right. It's like being like, yeah, I don't know. It's just not right. And you're like, well, when, yes, it's, it's just so not great right. if someone had a checklist, but Correct. they don't, I can't. And
1: you know, a lot of the feedback that sort of vagueness came to the stakes, which to your point about romance is tricky Mm
0: -hmm. um,
1: to get stakes that are believable enough to keep the characters apart, but that can also not so challenging that they can't overcome them because to get to the happy ending at the very end of the book. Um, So kind of shelved that project, started working on another one. And then yes, with various political stuff a few months ago, I, I, sort of, sort of started to circle back to that first book and went to my agent and was like, I have an idea, um, about a change in direction slightly. Um, and I worked up an outline with her Well, I worked up an outline that I sent to her and she came back and she's like, I like parts of this, but I think there's still like more pivoting we can, we can mm-hmm. do. And so I had a call with her, um, a couple of weeks ago or last i don't remember time as no what is time what is time two weeks ago i think i had a call with her um and that is so the the characters are the same the book is taking a very different direction because yeah. i i told her i'm like i really just want to play with these characters yeah you know because i sort of one of the things that um because call is with her my agent and then the the agency has a developmental editor who sort of helps with um narrative hot points, storyline. Portion, not like a line editor. She doesn't copy edit. She just, sure. just looks at the big picture of the books, and she was asking about certain elements of the book, like how married are you to X, Y, or Z? Sure. Um, and I was like, I really just want to play with these characters,
0: right? They're exactly. So, if you like, tell me all of you, a sudden they you, need to be in space, we'll sure, go there because we'll go there. Want to t- right. Exactly.
1: I just want to play with these characters. I'm, I'm like these particular characters have been with me for so long. One in particular has been with me since college. Yeah. Um you can, you know, oh, I know, Yeah, you know, so that particular character has been with me for a very, very long time. Other supporting characters and other characters within this world have been with me for like 10 years. And it's just sort of like trying to find the right story for them. Mm -hmm. And I thought I had it. And if that's not (laughs) it, that's okay. I just want to play within this sandbox with these characters. And I'm willing, if that means changing the book, and the genre slightly, and the storyline. I'm I'm totally fine with that. And the funny thing is, when we're talking, when we were talking through this, I was like, you know what? What's really interesting is that if I think back to like very early notes and drafts I had about this book mm-hmm. before it became the book that I queried, a lot of what we were talking about was in those. Was episodes. in there?
0: Was yeah, in there. that's and so and I was funny. like. This. I'm like, like, well, that's wow, ironic. That's ironic.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like I sort of like wrote full circle in a way. It just took yep. me like 10 years to do that, um, to kind of come back to where it had started. And I had very minimal notes, but there was definitely parts as I was, I was going back through all my old, like Google drive stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot
0: this part. Yeah. Perfectly. Which is so cool. Cause it's like, it's just, <laughs> it just shows how, Like in your soul, these characters are. And I think, you know, it's so, the number, tell me if this has happened to you. I'm sure it has, where people are like, oh, writing. Like, that sounds fun. Like, I always, I always wanted to write a novel. And you're like, did you? Because have you tried it? Because it's, it, I mean, I know that there are people who can sit down and just bang out drafts and aren't connected or are connected but invested in a different way they're they're invested in the act of writing right so
1: I think something that sometimes happens is that writers um maybe new writers or they just it's and I used to do this too full honesty like get precious about their stories and their characters Mm -hmm. and not wanting to make changes for the better or because they don't think it needs it or I don't, I don't
0: know. I, yeah. yeah, and I think that's, that's such an interesting point because I think there's a, there's a difference between not wanting to change the integrity of the story because right. it changes the story and or maybe you have feelings about like if you've gotten as far as getting an agent or you've gotten as far as getting an editor, maybe the publisher is the one who's pushing back and saying like, I can't sell this. Right. Then I think you're making a, a decision between like, does this go to market? Are people actually gonna get to read this story or do I need to stick to my guns because this is the story I believe in? Sure. And simply not being open to feedback because you have such strong feelings about your book and your characters that you don't want to you don't wanna examine it. You don't wanna look for- what's happening. And I feel like I'm, I don't know. I don't know where I would fall. Like, I mean, I I don't, I don't anticipate a publisher or an editor coming back to me and being like, you know, your book isn't right wing enough. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Or something that I just couldn't possibly function with. But I mean, I I guess you have the option to say yes and to say no to certain things. You You don't, you don't have the, you know, I mean, ultimately you could pull it, but I mean, like if you want things to be published, I think that there's an aspect of compromise, as long as it fits within your value system, right? About your book, I, I, but I also think that there's a certain amount of maturity as a writer that says, "I'm interested." Like, as your editor, your agent, your publisher, whoever is looking at this book and saying this piece doesn't work for you, is ultimately one of your readers. Mm-hmm. And like, even if you're writing something for yourself and you are supposed to be your ultimate reader, your audience exists. And you have to determine whether or not that is enough of a pull to make those changes. I do think that just being stubborn about it because you think you're right about everything is not the classiest move. Right. But I mean, your mileage may vary. Like, you might just be somebody who is like, this is the book I have to write in exactly this way and fair. But I also think that you have to be okay with it not being marketable in the way that it might have been if you'd made those changes but i also know some folks who have who have not compromised on that or have gone through the whole process and just not found the yeah. audience that they were looking for and have self published as well which is a totally is, different way to go and yes. i'm seeing a lot of success in that like i'm talking to other people who are who i know i have a a friend who started her own publishing company like right. there are definitely different ways to go i think it's examining the ego of writing That helps you find the line between compromise and compromising, if that makes sense. Like, so I don't know, I, I am not that far, so I don't know where I'll fall, but I, I will say that all of the feedback that I've gotten from the beta readers, yourself included, who have come back to say, Hey, this piece doesn't work for me, or have you considered XYZ? has been less of a blow to my ego than I think it would have been when I was a younger writer. And now I'm like, cool. Instead of being like, oh, you hate what I've written. What I'm hearing is you're excited about and invested enough in this story or these characters to want to read more about them. And it's, it's not ringing true to what you know about them. And I'm like, you cared enough to make a connection with them to be like, this doesn't sound like your protagonist. And I'm like, well, that's exciting somebody was like, I've engaged with this person and now there's a piece that doesn't fit. I'm like, how cool is that? Yes. You don't get stuck on that. Right. I'm saying that out loud as much to myself as to anybody else out there. Right.
1: Yeah. No, I think, um, you know, you, you mentioned the like stubborn aspect of being open to feedback. And I, I think it's hard, um, getting feedback, in general um agreed especially in your writing it feels very personal if somebody you know I think writers in particular an artist of any variety um you know if someone says they don't like a particular element of your art you may take that to mean that they don't like you which right is that's challenging to work through it is. and again like when I was younger I was very resistant to feedback and would get upset when people would not just like tell me it was perfect, Um, which never is right away. And (laughs) you just sort of like have to work through that. But I think that's why the revision process of any book is so important. And Mm -hmm. you need to bring other people into it in terms of beta readers or critique partners. We'll be honest with you, not necessarily mean, but you may need to hear things that
0: Yeah. Are I agree
1: true that you don't necessarily want. And so again, it took me, like I worked on that book before querying for like three or four years, yeah. went through several drafts because, you know, like it's very exciting to write a book. It's very difficult to finish a book. Mm-hmm. It's that's all very commendable. Not a lot of people do it, but I think sometimes writers get so excited about doing that, that they maybe jumped the gun a little bit. Yes, yeah, they missed that process. They missed yep. that process of of getting feedback and getting, um, and just revising it. And not just like checking for grammar, but right. like actually sitting down and looking at the plot points and are there narrative holes? Are there things that don't make sense? Sure. Are there things that are confusing to readers? that you sort of take for granted because you know, as the writer, it means this, but if that's not coming across, yeah. you can only get that if you, if you get feedback from other people.
0: Agreed. It's interesting to you So I have three of my closest friends, three of my closest friends. One is, one is a writer and identifies as a writer. One is a writer who is too self-deprecating to consider herself a writer. And one is not, does not consider herself a writer at all. All three of them have either outwardly or subtly said that they will not read for me. And I think part of it is that I think in my head, like if I had to understand, I think some of it is that they're concerned about the ego blow it would be if they didn't like it. And some of it like, and I, you know, so you're a good writer friend of mine. My friend May is an excellent writer friend of mine. I have a a friend named Claire who I've read drafts of hers. And I feel like having gone through the process with them and gone through that vulnerability and gone through that exchange process and they realize what a gentle beta reader I am. I am not going to blow sunshine up anyone's behind at all, but I will shout from the rooftops when I like pieces of your work and I will find ways to say, this isn't working for me and this is why. So that it it is not a personal thing. And I think that if you haven't gone through that process with me as either a beta reading for you or been a beta reader for me and heard my take on your feedback, it's very easy to worry that you're going to hurt someone's feelings. It's very, very hard to, yes. to not take something that you... Love this personally. And it's very, very hard to do with friends. I consider yours and my friendship unique in many ways. I mean, I I just like you, pal. What can I say? But also there's a uniqueness to the bond that we share that I am comfortable giving you my work and knowing that as a fellow writer, it's going to come back to me with all the bounds of respect that it deserves that your investment in reading is coming from a place of wanting to see me succeed and wanting to make my character and my story better and whether better means just for you and me or better means sellable or whatever it is that, that we're aiming for. um, I would say anyone who doesn't have betas they can trust right now that, and it's funny because I've done a couple of programs. So I did a, um, I did a master's program or certificate, but a graduate level certificate with Jennifer Kruse, who is one of my favorite romance authors of all time. And then I did this slow novel workshop with Nina LaCour. And every single, we had communities for both of those, big forums, groups, message boards, chats, um, Slack channels, all kinds of stuff. And consistently, the feedback I heard was, I just can't find betas yeah. and trust it's hard we it stumbled into it and it we got lucky and i feel yeah. like you know i've got three or four people that i trust him you know implicitly but like it's i don't i don't know what you do without those like i don't i don't, I don't know either. how you go through it
1: i don't either i i know that you know there are um subreddits that you can find beta readers mm-hmm. on um you don't know them. They're strangers, but the right. benefit to that is they're not going to be worried about hurting your feelings. <laughs> right? you know what I mean? Like they're yep. not going to necessarily hedge their comments out of concern of ego of the writer. They're going to sure. be so If that, you know, if that's what you need, if you don't have, um, people in your life that you would be okay sending your work to, you know, there are options. Um, but I, I think every book before getting published, whether self-publishing or traditional publishing does have to go through some process of feedback, um, from other people, not just the writer. Um, just, just my sense on the issue.
0: Right. And I think, I I think you're right. And I like the idea. It's going to be different for every writer. And obviously like, we're not here to say like what's right or wrong for you necessarily, but I think that I've had some friends who've been like, I'm going to jump from the beta process to like paid editing, mm-hmm. which I think is a different animal because it it's yeah. kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like letting your therapist decide, like, they're just going to be like, well, here's what's wrong with it yeah. or here's what's right. But they're not going to get invested in, they're not going to see the humanity of your, I don't know. I shouldn't say that maybe some editors are, are very invested in the person, but I'm thinking like if I were just to hand my manuscript over and be like, make sure it's right. Right. Like I want oh, to yes. I, I want to I wanna interview the same interview you the same way I would interview an agent. And I also don't know that. I, I mean, like, obviously, I'd want to make it as perfect as I possibly could before trying to query it before yes. it, handing my baby over to an agent and saying, please, please represent me. But at some point, that is what your editor is for. Yeah. I don't know how cleanly I would polish. I mean, I would do the best I could, but I don't know that I would pay someone to be like. Help me, kind stranger whom I've paid money to, to help me fix this plot before I give it to my agent. Right. I don't know.
1: I, don't know. I yeah, that's a tricky one. I, I think, also yeah, because being able to self-edit is super important. Yeah. Um, Like, are you going to, because your book is going to be going through multiple drafts between, right. even once you have an agent, there will be yep. more drafts that come along. Oh, yes. Like, are you going to be paying somebody every time? But also <sighs> just because something is grammatically correct doesn't actually mean right it's sellable or yeah. marketable or makes sense from a narrative standpoint yeah um i will say we're going to have to
0: cut this off though because i know i was just I'm about a- to say like i so- am not i am not a professional book <laughs> nerd by trade but if you'd ever be interested in continuing the conversation, I yes. have so many more questions for you. I almost feel like this was a an introduction to Jill and Sydney rambling about writing forever.
1: I mean, seriously. So listeners, if you want more episodes of, of Sydney and me rambling about writing, let us know Please and maybe do. we'll do it again. Love um, that. Yeah. Thanks, Sydney, for coming on and talking and writing with me. Jill, anytime. Seriously, I
0: will call you later and we can continue this conversation. What am I, who am I kidding? I don't like talking on the phone. <laughs>
1: Well, everybody else, um, happy listening, happy reading, and happy writing. Bye. Bye. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerd is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcast.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer, Jill Grunewald, and Joe Skelly and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Pulling up to Mickey
0: D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.